everybody, and welcome to Survival Beyond the Bug Out Bag for Monday, September the 19th. I'm Bill Bateman, your host, and I'm part of the team here at Refuse to Be a Victim Personal Protection Training. We're located, in case you haven't been here before, you can see us out in the White City, Medford area in Southern Oregon, and we'll always look forward to having you part Come in and be part of the family. Uh, this is National Preparedness Month, and we're continuing talking about things that are important to you and to me. This week, we're going to be talking about Prop 114 and why I oppose it. We're going to take some of the things we worked on in the last couple weeks and how it's interesting they've already come around again and they're influencing this week's topic. This week's topic is food, uh, specifically putting food on the table and looking at gardens and maybe rolling back an old habit could become new again. Of course, I'm going to talk about some upcoming classes and because this is beyond the bug out bag, I found an interesting article on bug out bags and how bug out bags have finally evolved. And it's kind of interesting. We'll talk about that. I'm going to throw the link in the sign on section as I always do. And then coming up next week, we're going to look at what it does to you to go through a disaster situation. There's the financial implications, but what about the emotional cost. I'll give you a little preview of that. Down in the McKinley fires there in California, there were all kinds of lines of people trying to get help at the various stations that were set up for aid. And I'm very impressed folks got things set up so quickly. You know where the longest line was? The most requested resource? The therapy dogs. So let's look at the various emotional aspects of living under stress. Okay, first of all, Prop 114. This is a bad one. I'm seeing a lot of things that kind of don't describe the initiative clearly, and that's my opinion. Uh, as a citizen and as someone who's concerned about concealed carry rights, if you have a concealed carry permit, as I do, you would still have to get a license to go to the gun store. You're automatically a bad guy again, even though you've been through this very, very strenuous process. Interestingly enough, and I've seen this in a lot of areas, we shooters are seen as the bad guy. And you put that in quotes. We are seen as the problem. We are not the bad guys. We're the good guys. To get a concealed carry permit, you go through a lot of checks. Concealed carriers have a lower rate of crime, arrest, and problems than police officers. So what's, you know, kind of step off just a little bit. Look at the extremists who are shooting things up, the folks going after schools, the folks going after supermarkets and concerts, and yes, that's a problem. And we, as members of that community, could offer some positive solutions if only we could get people to listen to us. So when it comes time Vote no on 114 and get this message out. You be the adult in the conversation. I keep saying that. I'm not going to look like the crazy yelling at somebody on a street corner. I'm going to let them look like that. Okay, this week I thought we'd talk about food. 
food is something I'm in favor of, unlike Prop 114. I'm, I'm totally in favor of food and putting it on the table. There are a lot of people who don't realize it's only been a hundred years or so that we have not had food instability. And what that means is you didn't have to go shoot something or trap something or pull it out of a river to eat it. You can go to the store. You could buy it. This is a relatively new concept, boys and girls, and uh, it can be really, really fragile. The Food Network is fragile, and we saw that just this week when uh, there was the possibility of a rail strike. And that combined with shortages, with pandemics, with trucking problems and drivers and, and workflows, that can really impact what you see or what you don't see on the shelves at the supermarket. There's been a reduced tomato crop, and let's just use that as an example. California, in case you didn't know it, comes up with 25% of the world's tomatoes. That kind of blows my mind away. That is really bizarre. Demand is up 10%, and they have a drought. It's the driest it's been since the year 800. Now, I don't know how they keep track of that stuff, but it's dry in California. Trust me. You add to the cost of increased demand and reduced crops, really significant reduced crops due to the drought, but the cost of fuel, the increasing cost of fuel, the increasing cost of labor, the necessity for fertilizers and pesticides, that doesn't go away. You still have to do that. We are seeing shortages in salsa, spaghetti sauce, ketchup, things like that. That's kind of scary. And it's not going to change at any time soon because it's still dry in California. Well, I like to be proactive. I am always looking five years down the road. So last year, we decided we were going to, quote, get back into gardening. Uh, don't laugh. This is funny. Uh, Last year, we got a giant pot, and we put it on the on the patio, and we found what we thought was a good place for it, and we were going to grow a tomato plant just to see how it's done. Now, back up 50, 60 years, when I grew up in the Midwest, we had a garden that covered half the backyard, and we knew what we were doing. I kind of got out of the habit, because we don't do all that much gardening now. I think it's a good thing to get back into. Well, we tried to grow our tomato and pause here for laughter it did not come out at all the way we hoped we didn't put anything on the table but what we did do is re-educate ourselves. what's the growing business i haven't done this for years and it was kind of fun we had time we didn't spend a lot of money we had a good laugh over it but this year our apartment complex is offering a community garden. Everybody in the complex can sign up and you get so much area and so much uh, room to grow and you're allowed so much water, which is only fair. We called ours the Bateman Family Plot, which seemed to generate a certain amount of hilarity, and we'd put in tomatoes, peppers, onions, and we're going for that salsa thing. Notice how it's getting short and now we're growing it. Aren't we prescient? 
Yes, indeed. Well, did okay. We got enough tomatoes that there are a pile of them out on the counter. Unfortunately, they're about the size of a golf ball, and they are not the giant tomatoes we had hoped to buy. We were misinformed and got the wrong kind of tomatoes, and that was another lesson learned. The onions are fascinating, but they're um, limited in how many we got. The peppers, we found out we planted them too late. Now what does all this mean? Why do you care? It means we've done two years of learn by trial and error when it didn't matter. Next year we're going to look at a different plot because we found out we weren't getting near enough sun. It was sheltered by some big trees. We're going to look at the things that we're putting in the ground. We're not going with a lot of chemicals. We're looking more at natural fertilizers. I mean there's some of you who are probably sitting there having a good laugh because of course that's what you do. But I'm a city boy. It's been a long time since I was out growing my own stuff. And I think each of us, it's worth our time to spend some time either talking to folks who know what they're doing or trying it on a very small scale and doing it yourself so that you, okay, this year, tomatoes are at a premium. We got tomatoes to eat on the shelf. Next year, it's going to be even better. Looking at how some of the things from last week came around. Uh, we're still seeing problems with water in Jackson, Mississippi. And one of the problems with water is we're finding more and more, like the drought in California, it's going to be a good idea to start conserving. Now we're in an interesting, interesting position here in our apartment complex. Our water heater is like out in the front yard. Shower is in the back of the house, which means turn on the shower and you can let that thing run for three minutes before you see a drop of hot water. Now all that water is going down the drain. Not anymore. We looked at uh, that and I thought back to a time, previously I was in Santa Barbara, California during the 80s and they had a serious drought happen there. And what they suggested is while you're waiting for your shower to heat up to an acceptable level, you put a bucket in there, catch that water, Turn the water when the bucket's full, of course, turn off the water, put it on a towel so you're not dripping all over everything, take it out in the front yard, pour it on your plants, your gardens, your tomato plants, or your peppers, or your lettuce, or whatever you're growing. Go back inside, take another bucket. I found, and these are five gallon buckets, there'd be five to fifteen gallons of water wasted waiting for the water to heat. Now you don't want to save the water when you're showering because that's got the chemicals from whatever your the hair goo and the body goo and the stuff you're using with that uh, former or formerly a sponge, a loofah, yeah, all kinds of fun stuff going on there. So that is something that you can do to get the most out of all the water we're getting. The other thing I've discovered, and I had to search for one of these, I had a shower and there was a little button you pushed and you get your soap on, you're singing, uh, usually the BGs or something like that, and you hit the button, the water stops running. So you don't have to waste five gallons of water while you're uh, scrubbing your toes or getting uh, or shaving. I love to shave in the shower. But if you just run, 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 you're wasting water. Now this is not an official edict yet, but I'm going to put a $5 bill on the line and say I bet we're going to be hearing something like that. It won't be too long until this starts coming up again. So we look at that situation 
in Jackson that I started off with, you add a drought to an emergency or a physical breakdown of a system, that's why it's worth thinking about this in advance. <coughs> that's why it's worth thinking about all of this stuff in advance. That's what this whole program is about, family. Planning and thinking about what steps you can take in advance so it's not done at the last minute. You're not doing it on the fly. You're always going to do a better job if you're going to sit down and puzzle it out. And I know we got some, hey, we're a family of shooters. We're a family of people who like to prepare. We like to think on our feet. Being ready is going to save us all a lot of difficulty down the road. I mentioned something about bug out bags, and by golly, this is really interesting to me. Five years, it's been, well, technically six, but five years this program's been on, and we talk about bug out bags, as in the title. Bug out bags, as they exist, have changed. They've changed in what we expect from them, what they do, and there's an interesting article on a site called The Prepared, and I'm going to put the link in the chat. I have been uh, a fan of theirs. I've tried to share tips from them and drive people to the site, and they have a great article, Why You Should Use a Priority Bag System and Ignore Bob, Bug Out Bags, versus Inch. And this is going way back to December of 2019. It's continuing to modify. People will look at this pile of stuff you've got and say, that's not a bug out bag. That's a I'm running away from home bag. You see, as you start putting your stuff together, you are constrained by how much you can carry physically, how much you can lift, how much storage you have, how much money you've got. And it's really, folks will make a lot of serious mistakes because they're trying to get prepared, like I'm mentioning, we're thinking in advance. You're trying to get through the next couple of days and then maybe get to a FEMA shelter. But how about if we have a Walking Dead SFTF, I'm sorry, SHTF collapse, and you're out there in the woods? Splitting up all the bags actually makes a certain amount of good sense. If you have something in the car and you can add that to what you've had at the house and you can add to what the kids have got and you can add to what you've put out in the shed, now you're ready for long-term scenarios. You're going to have to have things like medicine, food, and you're going to have some comforts and such but if you're looking at a long-term problem, there may be some tools or some materials that you want to put together. Now, realizing that you and I are not clairvoyant, unless you are, and if you are, I'd like to have you on the show. That'd be great. But these go back to the basic points we've been talking about. Where are you going to go? What are things going to be like? How long do you expect to be away from your base or your home? What next? What is the aftermath going to be like? Big thing I'm talking about in my Ollie class right now, the physical and mental state you're going to be in by that time. Do your kids have the flu or maybe uh, they got hurt? How much gas can you get? How much gas do you have? Parentheses, always gauge at at least half full. Close parentheses.
How are you going to get information? There is just so much stuff. I'm going to send you this link uh, on the front page of where you log in. I recommend you read it. I recommend you look for updates. The idea is that a single bug out bag is probably not going to be enough for you. You're going to need multiple supply plans, multiple supply packs, all the way from a couple of nights till things blow over to we got to go. This is getting nuts. We're, we're not coming back here again. I urge you to look at these things because when you pre-plan, think about possible difficulties in advance. They are a lot less likely to blindside you and leave you feeling bad. I did promise an update on the classes. I can tell you for a fact, uh, we're looking at about half full for October already. So if you're interested in the concealed carry class for October, I'd hop on the website and get that booking done. We're also letting folks know that private classes are available. They're a touch more expensive because you're getting one-on-one -on -one individual attention. So if you're interested, uh, head on up to the website or drop us an email. We look forward to seeing you. And remember, 114 is coming up. Uh, my big concern is that the amount of misinformation going out. If it's such a good deal, why do you have to lie to me? Why do you want to make me a good guy look like a monster. I question that. It's not good, not good planning. It's not a good way to go. With that said, that's all I've got for this week. I look forward to seeing you either in class or out at the range or coming back next Monday. We are going to be looking at the psychological effects of disasters and bugging out and everything that goes with it. It's not just having a fire, it's being on fire alert for two weeks with a high wind and 90 degree temperatures. It, it does wear on you. So let's talk about that. In the meantime, be safe. If I don't see you at the range, I look forward to seeing you back here next Monday. Bye-bye.